This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How are you? Very well indeed. How goes Fakatani today? It's good. Just getting ready to go to Mountain Bike Club where I will cook sausages and feed the masses. One day you do at Mountain Bike Club. One day you'll go mountain biking. Yes, when I get new knees in six months and 30 kilos. <laughs> and who are we introducing today? Um, it is an absolute privilege today to introduce my friend Dana Lee. She is the co-founder of Rainbow Easter Bay Plenty. She was hugely instrumental in the success of our local Māori Wards campaign, which is actually where I met her. Um, she's a supporter of wahine Māori and local body politics. She's a lover of te taiao. She is on a mission to encourage anti-racism and um, for people to be speaking te reo Māori. And she's amazing. So welcome, Dane. Thanks for joining us today. Tēnā koe, Sam. Nice to meet you. You as well. How has your bubble life been? Um, my bubble life? Well, I'm currently boosting Māwera's bubble. Um, so I'm not in mind. This isn't my bubble. Um, yeah, my bubble life was was good. Um, I was engaged in really my work. Um, we were very very busy um, for the role that I was I held at that time. So I was occupied. Um, I enjoyed I enjoyed um, the slowdown of of the world, yes. um, despite the circumstances. Um, there were many. It was a good shift in perspective, I think, for a lot of people. Um, yeah, my bubble life was in Fakatani. The most exciting moment for me coming out of that was when the uh, restrictions on surfing were lifted and I could go back to the Moana. So, yeah. That was quite a frustrating moment, wasn't it? When they were trying to decide whether or not surfing and swimming were allowed. Yeah, it was an interesting kind of a discourse. Um, I think it was, on the whole, I think most of our surfing community were on board with it. You know, we understand the risks that come with, um, you know, playing in the ocean and and that, you know, should something happen to you, um, other people will have to burst their bubbles and come and, and do the thing to help. So I think on the whole, I mean, there were a few examples of some, you know, not so great behaviour and not thinking about other people, but um, you know, when people talk about the team of five, five million, I think we were we were a good part of that team. And yes, it was frustrating, but um, you know, we got through it, and yeah, it was great to get back on the water with a new appreciation of, you know, just how much we enjoy it. We allowed back in surfing at level three. Yes, yes, that's correct. Um, yeah, there was a lot of um, a little bit of apprehension around when the announcement came whether it was going to be okay, and um, the quarter all from the prime minister saying, look, you know. A bit of common sense. If you if you've never been out surfing before, don't go out and start learning now. But you know, 
yep, we can we can say that's okay. So that was really cool. Yeah. It got us back into the water, open water swimming in that time. And it pushed oh, us into yeah. pushed us later into the winter than we swum before. So that was a good thing. Oh wow, yeah, that would be quite cold where you are in Waipona. It did get quite chilly. There was a day <laughs> that was it was zero degrees the air temperature, so the water was significantly warmer. Yes, yes, that's always a nice feeling though. Yeah. I was I was all set to carry on, but everybody else wanted to go back to the pool at level two, so we didn't get to swim the whole winter. <laughs> Oh, maybe next time. So what work were you doing at that time? Um, so at that time, I was working for um, two of our local members of parliament for the parliamentary service. Uh, most of our, our work was around engaging with constituents, doing welfare calls, um, things like that. A, a bunch of other other stuff as well, but that was that was it. So keeping the, keeping the finger on the pulse of what was happening with, for our people. And you're doing different work now? Um, well, it's a little bit of a transition period right now, um, so with the with the elections. So yeah, just waiting to see what happens with that. Let's go straight to the first of your music choices. Let's have Nina Simone. The name of this tune is Mississippi. Goddamn. I mean every word of it. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about Mississippi. God damn. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about Mississippi. God damn. Can't you see it? Can't you feel it? It's all in the air. I can't stand the pressure much longer. Somebody say a prayer. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about Mississippi. God damn. This is a show tune, but the show hasn't been written for it yet. Hound dogs on my trail School children sitting in jail Black cat cross my path I think every day's gonna be my last Lord have mercy on this land of mine We all gonna get it in due time I don't belong here, I don't belong there I've even stopped believing in don't tell me, I'll tell you Me and my people just about do I've been there so I know Keep on saying, go slow But that's just the trouble Washing the windows
They try to say it's a communist plot. All I want is equality for my sister, my brother, my people, and me. Yes, you lied to me all these years. You told me to wash and clean my ears and talk real fine, just like a lady. And you'd stop calling me Sister Sadie. Why'd you pick that song? Um, just one of my all-time favourite protest songs and um, Simone, one of my favourite artists, um, someone who uh, was always always had a, a message to carry with what she did and was an extremely talented um, musician, um, activist, thinker, um, all of those things. And the, the song itself, um, I think, still is extremely, unfortunately, uh, relevant today. Um, in terms of looking at what's going on in the in the world, um, uh, especially in terms of racism and and um, how people react to that, um, yeah, very important. Probably one of the most important artists I think um, ever in the history of music. It was very hard to choose a song. Because she's just so brilliant. So, protest activist, thinker, and racism is are those terms important to you? Um, yeah, definitely. I think. Um, there's no time for complacency in sitting down and letting the status quo maintain itself. No matter who you are, I think we can all be, we can and should all be protesters and activists and be thinking about the world we live in. So, yeah, very important words, I think, for all of us, whether we acknowledge it or not. Where did that principle come from for you? Is it something you grew up with? Um, so, for me, I was extremely privileged to grow up um, in the South Island, grew up around Auraki and in, in Um We had a, growing up in a small town, lots of community. Um, everyone was was Fano, and then um, kind of moving out into the wider world when uh, my family was Christchurch, and I could see um, a much clearer picture 
of things that divided communities uh, rather than the things that brought us together. So I think that perhaps, and that was when I was in my teens, probably when that when that particular trigger was pulled, is just seeing that, oh, okay, everything's not the same for everybody. Um, and there is a lot of injustice happening um, and just didn't really feel okay with that. So probably that's where the seed was planted, I think. But it's a big step from that's not okay to doing something about it. Yeah, that's right. And um, I think, yeah, doing something about it is just, I think it's just something you do. And I think everybody's got their own way of doing it. And um, I've definitely been on a a hikoi of of, um, coming from one place to another um, and trying to always be mindful of my actions of how that affects other people and looking at things through a lens of, um, is this is this fear? Is this right? You know, you really you search yourself, and, and I think as people, we generally have a good feeling about uh, uh, understanding about what is the right thing and what isn't. Yeah. Mawera said you were involved in the local Maori wards uh, issue. Can you give us a bit of a recap on on what the issue is? Because there's been big news about that this week. Um, yes. Yeah, so this week we've we've had the news from Minister Mahuta, who's the Minister for Local Government, that she's going to prioritise the issue of um, changing the legislation which allows for a citizens initiated uh, referendum on this particular issue. So we're talking about dedicated Māori representation at a local government level in our councils. Um, in Fakatani, we went through that process where our, our council, Fakatani District Council, had voted in favour of, of Māori wards, of establishing a Māori ward as part of their representation review, um, which triggered the ability for citizens to create a petition where they needed to get five, signatures from 5% of um, electors, which was successful, and so that petition meant that the issue went to a district-wide referendum, um, which I'm actually really proud to say we got the best results we've ever had um, across the country. Other polls were held, and indeed our own one from the previous review, um, the votes in favour, or the votes actually against the establishment of Māori wards were in the region of 70 to 80 percent. This time around we got it down to in the 50s which I think is actually something really worth celebrating. Um, So I was a small cog in a team of wonderful people who rolled out that that campaign you know um, led by led by uh, my good friend Tony Boynton who really is the person that had the impetus and the drive to keep keep the cope up going. We tried to just engage our community in the conversation to start with. And there were some difficult conversations to have, um, especially with other Pākehā, which is, is, I think, one of the most important things we can do as, as Pākehā and Toei, we used to have those conversations. But we really really managed to mobilise well, I think. We had a, a hikoi in our main street to our council chambers, which was well attended and the energy was beautiful and you could really feel the the vibe of change in the air um, and we did see that play out within the results unfortunately it didn't quite go our way but i feel like we made a lot, a lot of progress is that five percent of the of the population needing to put in a petition to get a, a referendum is that a does that apply to other things or how did that come about is that some sort of historic weird thing well, yes, it's a bit of a weird, historic, racist piece of legislation, to be honest. Um, you don't have that required. There's no requirement or ability to initiate that, for example, setting up a rural ward um, only only for, for Māori. So I would straight up say that is a racist piece of legislation, which needs to change, which has been the focus of our work over the last wee while, and really pleased to hear Minister Mahu to come out and say that she's prioritising that um, in this new term of government. So... Um, 
So, yes, so, there are positive, positive movements. So it will take a law change? It will take a legislation change. There are, of course, and I've been trying to encourage this um, discussion as well, there are other ways of doing it. Nobody is saying, I don't think, that Māori wards are the solution to the myriad of problems that um, are embedded within a racist system that we live in, but it's a start. So, um, yeah, there are other ways to... Uh, improve or to change ways that councils do things. There are, um, for example, Tauranga City Council has recently voted um, in an amendment that gives Tangata Whenua voting rights and paid positions on some of their committees. Now, we don't have that yet at Whakatani. You know, it's just something that is for, for them to work on. But there's various ways of doing it. But um, for this particular uh, piece of legislation, yeah, it does need a change at the central government level. Um, just to remove that barrier. It's just a barrier, a ridiculous, antiquated, racist barrier that's been put in front of people when it needs to go. You might be a small cog in that, as as you say, but congratulations anyway. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely a team effort. Um, we've had amazing support from a lot of people in our community and across the motu, across the nation as well. So, yep, I think everybody has a part to play in a kaupapa like this, everybody. So, tick, well, nearly a tick on, on that one. What's next on the list? Is there a long list? A long list of, of what, sorry? Things to do. Things to do. Oh, there's always work to do. Always work to do. Um, in the local government space, um, perhaps, that's going to see a somewhat of a tide of change coming through. We know that after the momentum we had in of our uh, Māori World Kaupapa in 2018, we had uh, a large number of Māori banned for council after that, you know, despite there not being a Māori ward. Um, and kind of the results of that actually turned up some pretty good reasons why we need to have the um, the dedicated representation because uh, uh, most of our candidates were unsuccessful. There's always work to do. <laughs> Where do you think the Resource Management Act's going? Um, I'm not sure about what that reform looks like. I think that's um, the, the new government that's that's come in, they will have their ideas um, with the Labour Party governing alone. Um, they've indicated that they're making making reforms. I haven't read too much about what their um, strategy, direction or desires are, um, but I think there are, there are definitely two camps. There are those that see it as a barrier to progress in terms of, um, for example, building consents and things like that. And there's definitely, I think, room for tidying up that. Um, and there are others that see it for perhaps its intended purpose, which is resource management. Um, when we're talking about things like the environment, that's probably the lens I look at it from. Um, and it's, in my mind, it, it is not fit for purpose anymore and does need reform. But uh, I haven't, haven't dug too deep into that one just yet. It's interesting that it was a world first when it came out, explicitly embedding mm. something that looks like a sustainability mm. um, principle into those sorts of things. So when people just say, oh, they're just going to repeal it, you have to say, but it's so, <laughs> it's, it's not only complicated, it's, it's got something so fundamental at its core that, yes, that and I you, think you might repeal it, but you basically, you're going to have to put something that looks a bit like it back again. Yeah, absolutely. And um, probably the issue that I have with the with the RMA is the fact that it, I don't think that the principles of the Tiriti or Waitangi are uh, embedded strongly enough in that. Um, for example, uh, we've just had here locally uh, one of the local iwi from here having to expend a horrendous amount of resource 
to go to the High Court to appeal a decision that was made under the RMA by a local regional council um, to do with their water. Um, and these kinds of situations just should not be allowed to occur, but the legislation as it stands now allows for things like that to happen. Um, so definitely keen on seeing some kind of reform there. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, kia koutou I hope you're all going to be stable, Mr. and your beloved I really hope that wherever you are, whatever's hanging around this journey that we're all on to get, it's proving very, very sustained and aging for you each day. Who you are, the triumph of nature's like perfect, unique, things better. Thank you. So I've had a wonderful day and I'm very excited to talk to you all about it. And today, amazingly, amazing wife, amazing Sam and I and the amazing eco-warriors rewove nest at Orokanoa Eco Sanctuary. And this is something that I've been wanting to do for a long, long time. And I'm so happy that we were able to do it all together today. So several years ago, when we first established our nature playground at Orokanoa Eco Sanctuary, we were donated this wonderful nest which is formed from a metal frame that has been welded together and I engaged the community in weaving the nest for the first time at the Waitati AMP show. I thought so beautiful harakehe and takaoka leaves, the flax and cabbage tree leaves and was really fun and so it's lasted for several years in that first incarnation and then today we were able to reweave it together and it was so fun and the wonderful four-year-old beautiful being eco-warriors did such a fantastic job and their parents and grandparents and Lisa and myself and whilst we were doing this weaving together of course not only were we engaging with the act of weaving but of course also the act of embodying our native birds and connecting with what they're doing right now, which making nests, making babies, very exciting. And not only connecting with them as they are now, but of course what they have done over the last several million years and that whole learning that we have gained from them in terms of making our own nests, our own homes. And this process of reweaving the nest, of course, reweaving that sense of connection with the real world, the living world, the natural world, and with one another, that at any time, any age, any place, anywhere, we can always rediscover that connection, and that connection is always there. And of course, we also went to visit beautiful Waimari the eel, and gave her some steak, which she really loves, and the children just love seeing her, and, and feeding her, and connecting with her. And it's special for me to be able to have that relationship with her. And of course, this reminds us all that we are always in relationship, whether consciously or not. That is the essence of life, relationship across several levels and across time and space and eternity and eternity. In all, in all directions and all dimensions, the essence of life is relationship. So... I'm so grateful for the relationships that surround me, of course, and I'm very lucky that at the moment I have been nominated for Educator of the Year Award and I'm getting lots of love and support from everyone around me. I'm so grateful for that. And it's wonderful because, of course, I just love my job so much, you know. I really want to do it forever and I wouldn't want to do anything else. And so I'm so grateful for the affirmation of this that people can tell. <laughs> So I really hope that for you, whatever's happening around you, you're really feeling that sense of support and that sense of loving relationship 
with all life and I really hope that you are being celebrated and affirmed in what you're doing and that you are finding ways to connect and encourage those around you and reweave a giant nest of community and connectedness and love and encouragement and I'll look to talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Dana Lee. Dana, we've seen lots of societal changes over the last few months. What do you think is going to stick, and what do you hope will stick? Uh, which which changes? Which changes are you are you referring to, Sam? Um, societal changes. It's a wave. Changes a wave. <laughs> um, well, we all had a good time being at home. So you know, there's those those sorts of changes, but but right. we're also people are talking about a a, a reset, an, an opportunity for for thinking mm. about what it is we're mm. trying to do. Yeah, related to um, COVID nineteen, definitely. Um, I think for me personally, I was uh, when we were in what they call lockdown. I was really excited about the prospect of some changes, um, some really big changes happening, um, because I knew within me, my whanau, my friends we'd had a bit of a perspective shift and we're hoping that that would stick around. Um, I'm actually disappointed. I think things have gone way too quickly back to BAU after that. Um, we're, I think we're still, um, as a society, trying to maintain a status quo that I don't think is sustainable to um, continue to aspire to anymore. Um, so I would love to see big changes stick. I would love to see us be more... Uh, in tune with our our fano and our environments, and um, you know, not not so focused on being what they call productive. You know, that's a lot of cordial that came up during lockdown. You know, everyone was sent to work at home, and a lot of talk about are you being productive? Can you still achieve the things you need to for your work? Um, the nature of work. Of, um, I think we we will see some change in that. A lot of people working from home, the 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 zooies and the the zoom meetings, um, using different technologies, things like that, are things that will definitely stick. I think, but we're always going to have that desire to have face to face contact with people. Um, but yeah, I would like to see some of those changes um, in flexibility. Actually, um, why do we have to have a nine to five workday? Why do we have to be in an office um, if it's not serving the purpose of meaningful work um, things like that i'd be really excited to see how that travels you said you didn't want to see it as a as a rush back to business as usual or we've gone too quickly back to a business as usual how would you describe what you would like to see words like regeneration do those sorts of things work for you yeah absolutely um i would actually you know what? i really hate the 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 words that have been bandied about um i think locally we've got words like reimagine um, all those rewords, I, I think it's a bit more fundamental to that. It's um, about what's important to us as people um, and cha- just changing a focus. It really is just what's next. What's next? What do we want to change? It's an opportunity for us to change. Um, and I, I'm excited about about that, really. I would. I think the, the society we live in, which is a, a capitalist, white supremacist, um, patriarchal society still, um, it's unsustainable. It's not good for our, our health, our mental, our physical health. It's not good for the health of the planet. Um, there are lots of lots of impacts that, as as humans, we've we've made that aren't good. And I think this is a, a chance for us to examine that and just think about what we want and need to change if we're going to survive and thrive in in the future. 
in an uncertain future because we don't know what's coming next either, uh, apart from climate change. Do you think we'll actually do it? One of the things that this has shown us is that we can actually do stuff when we when we need to. But we've known about all of those things you just said for a long time and haven't done anything about them. What, what's, what's going to be the trigger for us actually to, to do stuff? Gosh, you know what? I think if this isn't the trigger... If this isn't the trigger, if the, the state of our, our tayo and, and our planet and our health isn't the trigger, well, I think we're doomed. Uh, I, I'm in a bit of a state of flux, you know. Sometimes I, I have great hope and faith and believe that, yeah, of course we can do it. You know, look what we have achieved, look what we can achieve. And then other times, oh, you know, you see, you see, see things and, and you just go, oh, look, I don't think much has changed. People, people <laughs> still do what people do. So I'm 50 50 i really don't know all, all i can do is change make be in control of the actions that i can take and how i see the world um and you know carry that with with my friends and my family as well it has shown us at least in new zealand it's shown us that the core values and i'm thinking of be kind and uh, some sort of collective team team of five million or something but a collective approach are pretty fundamental and effective mm. Yes, I think that just shows the power of what can be achieved when we do work together. Um, there are a million and one things that divide us in the world, uh, but I don't think any of those are as strong as the things that bring us together. Um, and I think we've, we have seen that, and the, the way that us as, um, as, a, as a country has, has shown that when we look outside of where we are and what's going on in other places, um, yeah, it's, it's something to be proud of for sure, but I think it's something we should hold on to as a platform for what we do next. It's exciting to see um, people come together and, and achieve something. And it's, it's the same principle for things uh, like for our Māori Wards Kaupapa, you know, the, the strength and power of the collective supporting each other is really how you get things done. You mentioned climate change there and, you, and you've been talking about some of those really big challenges, the, the ones that have set themselves up over generations and might take generations to solve. What do you think we can take from how we've responded from to the pandemic for those sorts of questions like climate change and so on? Yeah, I think what we can take from that in terms of climate change is realising that this is a, a problem that's happening now. It's not something in the future. Um, when, when the pandemic hit Aotearoa uh, and there was a, a sort of a bit of a, a fear moment and we've all realised that, yeah, okay, this is real, um, I'd like to see us look at climate change with the same lens. It's here now, it's happened, it's happening, it's going to continue happening and we need to really think about what that means for us and what we can do to you know, make it better or preserve our future. And it doesn't have the advantage of being us being able to say this starts next Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. It's already uh, something that's in motion. And like you say, generations have contributed to, to where we're at now. Um, big questions and big challenges and... One of the biggest challenges, obviously, is um, we're talking about a global issue. Um, you know, you hear hear people call it all about, oh, New Zealand's just a little country. What can we do? Uh, you've got big polluters overseas that are um, making impacts in all sorts of different ways. But I think it's an opportunity to say, well, actually, if we do this, we are saying this is how we are going to do it. And um, that's a start of the start of being uh, proactive and making accessible for other people to or other countries Mickey to you know say well you know okay this is a good example we should be following that or examine their own practices but it's going to take a global collective effort um, I really haven't got any answers beyond that um, 
but I think all we can all we can do is control what what our own actions are. That argument about we're only small, what difference does it make is is so annoying because if you if you use that argument very, then you, then the same annoying. argument should also apply to I don't know pick some place that's the same size um, random places that might not be the same size Pennsylvania or Shanghai or Manchester. Yeah, exactly right. Um, you know, if everyone, no matter how big or small, gets together and does the thing, um, then that is that's the start to becoming a collective and and making change. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have a better son. I'm not sure how you're supposed to say this. A better son slash daughter, Rilo Kylie. Why this one? Um, this this song. This is actually my depression song, right? I've suffered from depression and anxiety since I was um, in my early teens. And this is one of my favourite jams to put on that will make me soak in it for a little while and then feel better instantly. And um, there's actually a really good video on YouTube of this being dedicated to Carrie Fisher, who's one of my idols, um, sort of with the with the lens of her mental health and addiction struggles. Um and it's a video of Carrie and Gary, who was her dog. Go and look it up. It's really great. Um, I love dogs. My dogs um, are my best friends, and they pull me through the, the bad times. So, yeah, the, I find this song really empowering because it, it lets me sit and, and sink into some feelings that might be happening, but then also pull myself out of it um, or attempt to. I mean, we can't. It's, I really don't like that narrative of being able to pull your socks up or whatever, but it's just a, a personal sort of um, personal internal empowering moment that sometimes I'll look to to um yeah
What do you think is the role of maintaining a, a, a positive approach? Not in a deluded way, and as you say, not in a way that's just about saying, well, just pull your socks up and be happy. There's, there's something different, isn't there? Yeah, I think there is something something different. Um, in terms of talking about um, positivity, I think we need to be really careful about where we go with that and whether that becomes a, a toxic and negative thing. Um, it's very easy to say um, things like, oh, yeah, good vibes only or... Um, you know, you can do it, everything's okay. But the reality is it's not actually like that for everybody and especially for those of us who suffer with, with depression and anxiety. It's not something you can just pull yourself out of, but there is a, a space for positivity and for um, sort of having those moments to think about what that means for you personally. Um, I get a little bit um, ho-ha with some of the messaging that comes out about that in mainstream circles, I suppose. Um, you know, we can't just mindfulness us out of our own crises. It needs um, support and actually healing of trauma in a lot of ways. And you know what? Sometimes this is how it's going to be forever. We're, there are going to be moments where we where we are, are suffering and moments where we're okay. And I think it's important to make sure that we recognise that and not try to maintain uh, some sort of false positivity, if that makes sense. I really liked the campaign that was put out by, I think it was allright.org, and, and then they, they reprived it for the um, Mental Health mental Awareness mental health awareness Week, the, uh, the, the, the poster that's on the wall behind me, it's uh, cup eye to just to keep swimming. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, keep swimming is, is, a, is a good thing to do. Um, you don't have to know exactly where you're going or how it's going to turn out, but as long as we keep, keep yeah, keep swimming and... Um, yeah, see what's around the next corner. And as you were talking yeah. about the, the the productivity during lockdown and people being focused about productivity, accepting that it was okay that, that we were surviving a pandemic. Like, you know, surviving is the first basic instinct we all have that should be taking priority over anything else, really, I think. Um, yeah, so that, those conversations on whether you're being productive or not. And I'm a big believer in saying, hey, actually, you know what? Just existing as being productive, making it through the day. Sometimes getting up and having a shower is productive and and, and a good thing, and we're celebrating. Um, you know, the the thought of making sure that you're sitting there at your desk doing all the work all the time. You know, it's not healthy for anyone. Um, so yeah, I, I actually think it's opened up a good conversation about that. I joined the big queue of people buying paint and other hardware stuff on the day before lockdown. Because my plan was to, to varnish all of the windowsills during lockdown. The varnish is <laughs> still How much unopened. did you get done? None of it. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah. It's not, so, not a big deal. So I have some questions to end the show. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh, gosh. That's a, that's a really big part I. Um, I think success for me actually looks like keeping on going and getting up just getting up um you know um one of the probably one of the measures of that is how much time i spend in the water i love going surfing i live with a chronic illness i have lupus that means that it's not always an easy thing for me to do um but being able to go back and and do that and every time i get up on a surfboard or every time i paddle out i would say that is success for me because it, it gives me a read on where i'm at 
um, both physically and mentally. So yeah, every single wave I ride is my biggest success every time. Okay, new rule, measure of success, how much time we spend in the water. I'm good with that. Right, we're all finished. <laughs> Tell me where are we can finish we can finish the show now. We've got the answer. So we are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in our team. What is the superpower that's got you into the mansion? Um, the superpower, I think my superpower is observation. I'll leave that for people to interpret as they wish, but um, I'm actually pretty confident that that, that is my superpower. I've thought of this before. You may be able to tell. So do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um, I wouldn't put a label on that. Um, I've taken actions in the past and I'm taking action, um, you know, currently to to assist um up that I believe in. Um, if that makes me an activist, then then maybe. But I kind of think that that's for um, not really something I put a label on. I leave that for other people to make that decision. That yeah. So what motivates you? Ooh, lots of things. Um, people. I love people. I think everyone um, everyone is awesome and can be awesome. And I like it when when we love each other. I think that is the biggest thing. Um, Everything that we do for ourselves and our whānau, I think, is rooted in love. So um, motivated by, by love of, of people, motivated by um, love of our environment and spending time in it, um, motivated by hope and knowing that things can be better. So what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Ooh, um Pretty a pretty hard question, a pretty deep question. Um, I think I think there are going to be challenges that are going to be um, experienced by everybody that we'll all be going through at the same time, especially in terms of um, the pandemic and how that's going to change our, our our world. So I think probably anything and everything that comes along with that. But also personally, um, personally, my challenge is just to just keep getting up and doing the thing every day and being able to say at the end of um, the next year or whenever, um, go, oh, yeah, I did that. I achieved something and I'm still here and this is this is us. Um, I think everyone's got different challenges. We all come with our own set. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? I'm not 100% sure who your listeners are, but um, my advice is really just go out into the world um, with love. Um, try and see things from perspectives that aren't your own. I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my life. Um, take the leap and, and do that. Put yourself in uncomfortable spaces um, because you'll learn it and you're, you're, you're learning the perspective of others um, gives you uh, something that will change the way you see the world. Thank you very much for that. Mawera. Dane, it is such a privilege to know you and to be your friend and to see the incredible work that you do in our community. And um, it's people like you that give hope to people who, for the absence of hope, is the most debilitating thing in their lives to get past. So keep doing what you do with the love that you do it with. Kilda. Thank you very much for that.
blowing bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Young, keeping on rocking in the free world. We had a contribution today from Tahu Mackenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Wira Karatai and Dane Lee in Fakatane. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.